Well, good morning. If you would uh, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 26, we're going to continue our study in Matthew chapter 26 this morning. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord in prayer. Our Father, we bow before your throne of grace this morning. We bow carefully and reverently coming into the presence of God Almighty. And Father, how thankful we are that you've told us that we can come boldly, confidently before your throne of grace in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we do come before you pleading his precious name, pleading his person as our only acceptance, pleading his obedience as our only righteousness, pleading his blood as the only way our sin could be cleansed and forgiven. Father, we're thankful. How we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. How we thank you that you've enabled us to, to come before you in him. And it be accepted for his sake, accepted in the beloved. Father, we're thankful. As we look into your word this morning, Father, I pray that you would reveal Christ to each heart here. Father, cause your word, your gospel to go forth in, in power, to reach the hearts of your people, to reveal Christ and cause us to rest in him, to believe on him and, and to rest in him. Father, what we pray for ourselves, we Pray for your people who meet everywhere, all around the world this morning. Father, bless your word. Bless your people for your great namesake. We pray a special blessing on our brothers Eric and Jonathan as they're away preaching. That you'd bless them mightily in preaching. and Give them traveling mercies. Father, we dare not forget to pray for the sick and afflicted of our number and those that we know of. There's so many at this time, Father. We pray that you'd undertake in their behalf to heal, to deliver, to comfort their bodies, comfort their hearts and their minds, and that you would deliver as soon as it could be thy will. All these things we ask in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. All right, I've uh, titled the lesson this morning, The Betrayer. I know that sounds kind of like a, a negative subject, but I hope to have something that'll, that'll be a blessing to you. Let's read our text first, beginning in Matthew 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now, you know, it is a sad thing to talk about Judas Iscariot. Um, it's good for us to talk about him, good for us to be warned of these things. It's a sad thing, but there are some good lessons for us to learn here. You may recall in the last chapter, the Lord gave several different illustrations and parables to teach us that the church on earth is always made up of a mixture. There's always wheat and tares. There's always goats and sheep. There's always a mixture of believers and unbelievers. And you know, that mixture was true even among the twelve. Even among the twelve. Judas was one of the twelve, yet he was reprobate. Now something had to happen to be the straw that broke the camel's back for old Judas. We know, they didn't know it at this time, but we know now Judas was a greedy man. He was uh, the treasurer of the group and he'd been stealing from the bag all along. 
And Judas had just seen Mary come and pour this very expensive ointment on the Lord to anoint his body for the burial, the Lord said. Now Judas objected to that. He got the other disciples with him to, to object to this. And don't, he said, don't waste this ointment on the body of the Lord. But let's take it and, and sell it. And he wanted to do that because he wanted to steal part of the proceeds of it, you know. But the Lord overrode Judas and Mary anointed. She, he said, leave her alone. He said, wherever, wherever the gospel's preached, this will be said as a memorial to her. And that was it for old Judas. It also could be that Judas understood exactly what the Lord meant. In verse 2, the Lord told them, you know after two days is the feast of the Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. It doesn't seem like the other disciples understood this yet. As often as the Lord told them, they still didn't understand. The Lord's going to die. He's going to be sacrificed for sin. I think Judas finally got it. He's going he's to suffer and die. And Judas thought, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for that. Judas was just like all the others in this way. They were all expecting the Lord to set up an earthly kingdom. They all thought that... Uh, the Lord's going to set this thing up and that they were going to be part of this, this great kingdom that had power in the earth, you know, like uh, the Jews had under the reigns of David and Solomon. They all wanted to be on the Lord's cabinet in this new, this new kingdom they thought he would set up. Judas probably had his eye on Secretary of Treasury, didn't he? Peter, he thought he wanted to be Secretary of the Navy. You know, Peter wanted to carry that big stick. I don't know how soft he wanted to walk, but he wanted to carry the big stick, didn't he? And that's what they were thinking. And Judas finally got it. The Lord's going to die. And he thought, where does that leave us? Where does that leave us if, if, the, if the Lord dies? What's going to happen to the disciples? Well, he knows what's going to happen to them. They're going to be shamed. They're going to be humiliated. They, they might be killed too. There can't be an earthly kingdom if the king dies. And Judas thought, I don't want any part of this. So he's going to get his golden parachute and get out while the getting's good. And you know, Human nature never changes. People are still the same today. You see this when somebody doesn't get their way. You know, Judas is going to take his ball and he's going to take what he can steal from everybody else's ball and he's going home. He just, he's not going to be any part of this. Now that's what's going on in, you know, in his mind, in his heart. And there's, there's about four lessons I want us to, to be able to learn from what we see going on here. The first lesson is this. It's a warning to us. A person can be very religious and think very little of Christ. In verse 14, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, one of the chief priests, and said, what will you give me? And I'll deliver him unto you. Now notice the chief priest didn't come to Judas. Judas went to the chief priest. And he said, what will you give me for him? He didn't say, what will you give me for the Lord? He didn't say, what will you give me for the master? He didn't say, what will you give me for the savior? What will you, what will you give me for, for him? John Gill says that that word means, I, I didn't see this, but this is what he said. He's smarter than me. It means this fellow, him, this, this fellow. You see the disrespect there? He just had total disrespect for the Lord. What will you give me for him? Judas didn't even have a number in mind. He just could take whatever they offered, you know. They could have lowballed him. This is... And in whatever negotiation back and forth that they had, they agreed on 30 pieces of silver. We'll give you 30 pieces of silver and you betray him to us. You know what 30 pieces of silver is? It's the price of a slave 
the master was sold for the price of a slave. The savior of sinners, whose blood will pay an infinite price for the sin of his people, was sold for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. That's how little Judas thought of the savior. And you know, this is human nature. Judas isn't alone in this. Wasn't he saw the same way? He sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. He sold the birthright to be the the priest of of that family, to to represent that family to God. He sold that for just a a bowl of beans. It's human nature to think very little of Christ. And this is the way that religious people think. They think a whole lot of their man-made doctrine, but they think very little of Christ. They think a whole lot of their morality. They think a whole lot of their works. They think a whole lot of their rules and their laws and their system of government. They think a whole lot about all their religious ceremonies, but they think so little of Christ, they won't trust their souls to him. They'll trust their souls to all those other things, but they won't trust their souls to, to Christ. They think so little of the Lord Jesus Christ, they think he's unworthy to trust all their soul to him. They think they got to help him out. That's how little that they think of him. Very religious, aren't they? But think very little of Christ. And you know, all of us need to be warned about this because we all have the very same nature that Judas had. How easily would we trade Christ for earthly ease? How easily would this flesh would do it? You know, the question posed to all of us is not what do you think of the preacher? It's not what do you think of this doctrine? What do you think of this congregation? What do you think about the way this thing's run? The question is, what think ye of Christ? What think ye of Christ? And I pray our answer will be, he's my all. He's my Lord, my master, my savior. He's my wisdom, my righteousness, my sanctification, my redemption. He's my prophet, my priest, and my king. He's my salvation. You know, I I want that to be our heart's answer. I don't want to be religious and think little of Christ. I want to know Christ and believe him. I want that for you too. All right, here's the second lesson. Similar to the first one. A person can be very religious, but still be lost. Don't don't confuse religion for, for salvation. You know, somebody thinks little of Christ has to be lost, don't they? Judas was one of the twelve. And he conducted himself in such a way outwardly that the other disciples respected him. All this other stuff he was doing, he was hiding from them. I'll show you that in verse 21. As they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Now when the Lord told them one of you is going to betray me, Judas didn't enter their mind. <laughs> Not one of them thought, Judas, I knew it. I knew that guy was doing this all along. Not one of them thought that. Every one of them thought it's more likely to be me than Judas. Every last one of them. Lord, is it I? Oh, don't let it be me. You know, sometimes a person leaves the gospel and we're not really surprised, you know, by, by what they do. You can see it coming a mile away just based on how they've been acting. But not Judas. Nobody but the Lord saw this coming. Not one of them. Judas was an upright and a moral man. 
as far as what everybody could see outwardly. But being moral, that, that's not salvation. We have to have the righteousness of Christ. Not our goodness, but his goodness. Judas was near the Lord, wasn't he? He's part of the twelve. He was in on this intimate conversation the Lord had with his disciples. He was near with the disciples. But that's not salvation. Salvation is being found in Christ. A lot of people were near the ark that Noah was built, weren't they? But the only way you could be saved is being in the ark. In the ark. Judas was a preacher. Judas performed miracles. He went and healed people. He cast out demons and so forth. But that's not salvation. Preaching and performing miracles, that's not salvation. Salvation is having faith in Christ. It's believing Christ and trusting Him. And we'd be wise to lay this to heart and not be like Judas. Because we will if the Lord leaves us to ourselves. Every one of us we will. We're to examine ourselves, Scripture says. For what? Whether you be in the faith. Not whether you're crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's right. We're to, to, not, not are you in the right religion. Not you have the right doctrine. We're to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Do I believe Christ? Do I trust Him? Do I cling to Him? Is He all my hope? Look at Psalm 51. Here is a real good prayer. That we could just take to be our own. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. And here it is. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart. If the Lord doesn't create a clean heart in us, We'll have the heart of Judas and we'll be lost same way as he does. This is our prayer. Lord, create in me a clean heart, a heart of faith. Don't just let me be religious and be lost. Make me know Christ. Make me believe Christ. All right, here's the third lesson. Even in times like this, when the betrayer is doing his worst, trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. You know, we'll, it won't be to the extent that the, the other 11 were here, but, you know, people are going to disappoint us often. They're going to hurt us often. They're going to do that because that's what this flesh does. People are going to disappoint you. Just, just be careful how much stock you put in them now. They're going to disappoint you. But the Word of God will never disappoint you. The Word of God will never let you down. 
I mean, can you imagine the hurt and the confusion that the other 11 felt when they learned not only did Judas betray the Lord, but this wasn't a heat of the moment thing. He'd been planning it and plotting it for some time. And they just had to be so hurt, so confused. Somebody that they trusted to make the treasurer of their group had been stealing from them and betrayed their master. And I just don't think they ever got over the hurt of it. I don't think they ever got over the the shock of it because of how they wrote about Judas whenever they wrote about him after the fact. This is the way they described him as they wrote in the the epistles and in the the, uh, four gospels. They described him as Judas, which, which betrayed him. Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. It just seems like they just never could get over it. And then this, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it thou manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? They said not Iscariot because they want to be sure they identified the right man here. To them, it's the worst thing in this world to be confused with Judas Iscariot. <laughs> they wanted to be sure that that, that, that didn't happen to their, their brother Judas. They just never got over the, the shock and the hurt of this. But as horrible as that was, for Judas to betray the Lord, to steal from them and, and betray the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, do you know when Judas did that, not only did he not harm the word of God, he fulfilled it. Let me show you that. Psalm 41. Psalm 41. Verse 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Now, what David was writing here is about his experience with Ahithophel. Ahithophel was one of David's chief advisors. He was one of the, the best advisors that, that David had. They were together. They ate at the king's table together. They, they talked. They, you know, Ahithophel was his advisor. And when Absalom rebelled against David, Ahithophel joined with Absalom. Now, David was writing about his own personal experience, his own personal hurt here about, with Ahithophel. But he was prophesying of Christ, the son of David, who would be betrayed by a close friend, a close companion. And when Judas betrayed the Lord, yes, it hurt. But it didn't hurt the word of God. It hurt their feelings. It hurt, you know, but then it didn't hurt the scriptures. He fulfilled the scriptures. Now look at Zechariah chapter 11. Even the price that Judas got for betraying the Lord. And then that silver being used to buy the potter's field, you know, Judas took the money back in and cast it to the chief priest and said, I betrayed innocent blood. And they said, well, we can't put that back in the treasury. So they went and took and bought a potter's field where they could bury the, the poor people. Even that fulfilled the scriptures. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12. And I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price, 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it under the potter, a goodly price that I was prized out of then. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Now, Zechariah wrote that, and how many ever years later? 
That's exactly what happened. Judas betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver and ended up buying the potter's field with it. Now, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Human nature hadn't changed yet. God hadn't changed. And God's word hadn't changed. People are going to hurt you. People are going to let you down. But this word will never let you down. The message of this word, the truth of this word will never let you down. The message of the word of God, the truth of the word of God is this. Salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in our works. It's in him. That message is on every single page of the Bible. Salvation, righteousness is in the obedience of Christ. His obedience to the law. That's what makes his people righteous. They obeyed it in him. Salvation is in the sacrifice of Christ. It's his blood which put away the sin of his people, that paid the sin debt of his people. And every sinner who believes on Christ, every sinner who casts their soul, all of it, on the Lord Jesus Christ, every last one of them is justified. Every last one of them has eternal life. So when people hurt you, you just remember this. You just keep trusting Christ, who's the message of the word of God. He'll never let you down. This word will never let you down. All right, here's the fourth thing. Always trust God who's sovereign. Look again in, in our text, verse 21, what the Lord said. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Now, the Lord knew what Judas was going to do. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. You know why he knew that? Because he was the very one that ordained Judas to do it. He ordained Judas to do that. What Judas did was despicable and it was wicked. But the Lord determined for him to do it. He ordained that. You see, only God can bring good out of evil. And this is the preeminent illustration of that. God bringing good out of evil. God's elect were all redeemed by the blood of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was sacrificed as a result of Judas betraying him. You can't find anything more good than that. The best thing, for the best thing for our souls, the best thing for God's glory was brought out of Judas, Judas betraying the Lord and him being crucified because of it. Our Lord brought the best good there could be out of evil. Out of Judas' wicked actions that resulted in our Savior going to the cross, God Almighty revealed to the world his greatest glory. He revealed his greatest glory in his redemptive love, his redemptive mercy, his redemptive grace to sinners through the sacrifice of his son. Through the sacrifice of his son, Almighty God revealed to his people how God can be both just and justifier. He brought that good. He brought his greatest glory to, to light because of Judas' wickedness. Out of the wickedness of Judas, the Lord brought about the eternal redemption of his people by bringing the sacrifice that would put their sin away. Now listen, God's sovereignty in no way excuses Judas. In no way whatsoever. Judas can't blame God for what he did. Judas did exactly what he wanted to do. And at this very moment, he's in hell because of it. And this is also true. Our sovereign God brought good out of evil. 
And we need to remember this. Again, nothing changed. Man's nature hadn't changed. God's word hadn't changed. And God hadn't changed. God's as sovereign today as he ever was. Everything that happens in our lives, in our world, in this creation, is all happening by God's sovereign decree. Same is true today, just as when Judas was betraying him. There's so many wicked things we see happen. I just, wow. I just can't get over it. And some of them really hurt, don't they? Some of them scare you to death. You think, what in this world are people thinking? Just, but our comfort's this. Those things hurt. Those, I mean, wow. But our comfort is this. Our sovereign God has ordained these things to happen exactly the way they're happening. Nobody's doing something that's against God's will. Nobody's doing something that's outside of His eternal will and purpose. Yes, it's sin and yes, it's evil, but only a sovereign God can work those things together and bring good out of it. Bring about the salvation of His people. So when people disappoint you and they hurt us, be heard. It's all right to be heard. I mean, you know, they meant it for evil. That's what Joseph told his brethren. Isn't it? You, you boys, you, you meant it for evil. And it hurt, didn't it? But don't be discouraged. God's going to bring good out of it. Everything is still right on track in God's schedule. God's purpose. God's purpose for this creation. And the Lord is using even this. Even whatever trial, whatever hurt, whatever it is we're going through, God's using even this to bring about the salvation of His people. To reveal His glory on earth. To reveal His glory to His people. And one of the great glories that we're going to see someday is this. All the wicked things that men have done over the course of history, in the end, we're going to see not one of those wicked things, not one of those wicked men, not one of those wicked women ever did anything to cause Christ to lose one of his sheep. Not one. He's going to have every last one of them. And it all had to happen just the way it happened in order for him to bring all of his people to glory. Present them to his Father and say, Father, here they are. I and the children which thou hast given me. Now, I don't understand that. I mean, I just I don't understand how the Lord's doing that, but I know He is. Because that's what Scripture says. And that's good enough for me to trust Him, isn't you? Isn't you? Oh, I hope, hope the Lord will use that to help make us trust Him. All right.